Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of America's worrying mole to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the toupee fallacy. <laughs> yeah, the toupee What's fallacy. Named? <laughs> it's it's, a, it's really yeah. well named, actually. It's a very specific offshoot of the argument from ignorance, really, because it's right. about making a decision based on the fact that you're not seeing any disconfirming evidence any evidence on the right. other side. And and in a yep. way, there's a little bit yep. of survivorship bias in there as well because there's a specific reason that the, the actual evidence that, they, that exists on the other side isn't part of the sample that you're taking, essentially. Right. Yep. And so the, the canonical example, and the reason it's called a toupee fallacy, is when people say something like, all toupees are shit, I've never seen a good one. I've never seen a convincing toupee. Yeah. Obviously not watched Morecambe and Wise yeah. <laughs> at all, because, yeah, you can't see the joint. Yeah, and the yeah. point is that if you did see a convincing toupee, you wouldn't know it was a toupee. You'd think it was someone's yeah. hair. Therefore, yeah. you don't factor that one in to your sample set yeah. of all toupees. So all the ones that yeah. you notice are shit, because they don't look like real yeah. hair. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. But you're ignoring the fact that you are not noticing the good ones. Yes, and even if you were shown one, in order to be convinced of it, you'd have to take it off, at which point you could say, well, I can tell that's a toupee. <laughs> yeah. So you could also move the goalposts slightly, can't you, to kind of include the set. Yeah, once once you get someone entering evidence into your sample set and kind of showing you stuff, yeah. then then yeah. this starts to break down. If, pe- if people continue to argue this, then they're... They're probably using other fallacies to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the yes. yeah, the idea that you think that you know something because the information or the evidence on the other side is kind of by definition not something you would notice if that's what you're looking at. Right. Our first example from Trump comes from a tweet that he sent back when he had a Twitter account back in 2012. He said, I always enjoy watching young entrepreneurs enter the business world. I can tell who reads my books and who doesn't. So my assumption of that is, and maybe I'm being unfair, but I don't think I probably am, that that he <laughs> thinks are, <laughs> that he thinks that people who read his books will be successful. Yeah. So he right. looks at successful entrepreneurs and assumes that they've probably read his books. Yeah. But but even I mean he may be right in some cases about that and and he probably doesn't question them or didn't during this period but more importantly there will be a number of people who have read his books and then have not become successful entrepreneurs to the point where he would notice them entering the business world. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's well that's where the survivorship bit comes in. Yes. So he's not going to notice any of the failing entrepreneurs who have read his books or the people who read his books but weren't motivated enough to to try and get into the business world he he won't see any of those um so he's looking only at 
a small subset and deciding, yeah, that, that then, proves then that my books that are Those who have entered the business world are the, are the ones that have read yeah. the books. So There's and, several layers and, in, uh, in that one. <laughs> yeah, but there's also the kind of, you know, all we've got is the evidence of his eyes. You want to say, well, how can you tell? Well, I can tell because they're the successful ones. No, but how can you tell they've read your book? Well, because they're, they're successful. the successful ones. Yeah, I could just tell. Well, how is it that you tell? Well, because yeah. they're successful. And if that is so his reasoning, in. that aspect of it, yeah. we're assuming, then there's uh, there's yeah. a certain amount of circular reasoning there as well, isn't it? Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I yeah. can tell they've read my books because they're successful and they're successful because yeah. they've read my books. So it must be possible <laughs> to find somebody who is in the business well, just, he wouldn't consider them successful because they haven't <laughs> read his book. So that's yeah. Well, there you go. That oh yeah. By yeah. Its own you could absolutely is the measure you of could success. produce entrepreneurs well, who have been successful and haven't read yeah. his books, and you could produce <laughs> failures who have read his books. I mean, yeah. he's I know he hasn't ever read any his books of his books. So no, no, he didn't. It's a bad right. example. So you know, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he could, so at, at that point, I'm hearing the rapid rush of a v8 powered <laughs> set of goalposts moving around <laughs> because he'd just go oh yeah but you know that's because mm. they haven't read my book or well they're successful so, well yeah, yeah but they are they really, really successful <laughs> yeah they're, so they're not, not really they're not really a true scotsman <laughs> it's that kind of uh-huh. they're all lumped in there aren't they in that kind of self-professed evidence base i think it's it's not on his part a willful ignorance of the fact that he's choosing an already <laughs> select set to base his yeah, evidence on. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the things about this fallacy is it, it's it's not one that people use knowingly to kind of to back yeah. up a, a bad argument. It's something where yeah. their their reasoning is fooling themselves, essentially, or their lack yeah. of reasoning is is causing yeah. them to have an opinion that isn't backed up by evidence essentially yeah so it's kind of it's almost forgivably naive to some extent yeah yeah it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly naive yeah so our second trump example comes from a time back in 2017 when he was talking about his big wall and he claimed that the people of san diego really wanted mm-hmm. his wall right but the governor of california at the time jerry brown he was reluctant but trump was building the wall anyway but then at one point he decided maybe I shouldn't, maybe I just shouldn't build the wall there because cause then the people of San Diego who really want the wall will put pressure on the governor of California to ask for the wall that I'm already building or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So I said, let's stop building the wall. I said, how much would it cost? Because I know too much about contractors. I think half the room is contractors. Look at these people. I can tell a contractor... I can smell a contractor, believe it or not. Got a lot of contractors in this room. So I said, find out how much it would cost to stop. And one of the generals said, sir, it wouldn't cost anything to stop. I said, really? Find out. Well, he came and he said, it's $7 million to stop. I said, all right, keep building it, okay? I'm not going to stop it for that, right? We got to get it done. No general coordinates. In the middle of that imaginary conversation that he had <laughs> with a general yeah. yeah yeah i can i can tell a contractor i can smell a contractor and he he was kind of looking around the, the room the, the arena and saying you know there's a lot of contractors in here i can tell and 
Yeah. Again, they're you know, if they are wearing lumberjack shirts and a tool belt and you know <laughs> and sucking yeah. through their the teeth looking now. at something yeah. and saying <laughs> yeah. how much you know, what yeah. cowboy put this in, then maybe he can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not it's not just your parts, <laughs> it's your it's your labour and uh-huh. your tax. But there yeah. are obviously going to be people who might he might think are contractors who aren't, and there are also yep. very likely going to be people who are contractors who don't look stereotypically like a contractor. But obviously those people, he he wouldn't say, oh, well, yeah, he's a contractor, I can always tell. He just would ignore that person. Yes, exactly. And therefore not be able to tell, but not know he hadn't been able yes. to tell that that person wasn't a contractor. Yes, <laughs> yes, there you go, yes. It's ignorance of your own ignorance. Yeah. Isn't it? Is is an unknown unknown? <laughs> it's it's that kind of yes, yeah, that naive ignorance and uncritically thought about because he's not just he's not going. Oh, wait a minute! Why can I only <laughs> see contractors here? You know why is it? Is it or you go, or he goes to a meeting of the contractors union of San Diego and they've all dressed up to meet the president, so none of them <laughs> are wearing lumberjack shirts and tool belts. So they come in the room and he'll just go. Well, where are all the contractors? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm obviously in the wrong room. And he won't kind of think, oh, no, that's because they're dressed up to see the president. Of course they're contractors. It's just that my cognitive bias <laughs> leads me to believe that they're not. And I'm in the wrong place. Now, at this yeah. point, when when he had this imaginary conversation about yeah. the fact that uh, for some reason he sent a general to find out how much exactly. it would cost... Yeah. To stop even though he can tell wall. a contract, <laughs> yeah, he obviously can't tell what contractors do. He can't tell that a general doesn't know about contracting. And yeah. and I yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't seven million dollars to stop building the wall, largely because he hadn't started building the wall at that point. Certainly right. in the San Diego right. area, the yeah. question of whether the people of San Diego wanted the wall is a is another point. But, but yeah, basically most of what he said there was bullshit, and and the bits that were yeah. direct quotes were made up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus the bit, the the kind, of the whole thing that San Diego wants the wall. Well, he's only going to have heard that from the people that wanted the wall. Uh, yeah, that's true. In in San Diego, so he might have met some people in San Diego who wanted the wall. Therefore. Because that chimes with his his uh, position, he would say, "Right, so well, San Diego wants the wall. All the people I've spoken to want the wall. Well, you, but you've only spoken to the people who want the wall. But also, so, even if everything he said there was true, which it wasn't, even if it will, <laughs> yeah. it that happened exactly as he claims it happened, that is an yeah. anecdote about him saying, "Shall I be a dick to someone?'" Because, because yeah. uh, you know, I think I think I, this wall is what our country needs, and the people of San Diego yeah. want it. But I could just be a dick and not build the wall, so that one particular governor who doesn't like me has a bad day, yeah. gets it in the neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whilst along the way, belittling a general. Well, by implication, <laughs> allowing drugs and Im- yeah. immigrants to flow freely into San Diego. Yeah. So. Yes, exactly. Yes. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. So in in finding this, I did. I was looking up um, just that phrase. I can just tell that kind of stuff, and I typed it in, and up popped Biden. <laughs> so this could, is this our first Biden example? I think it probably is. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Probably. But yeah. And this one is at a it's a town hall Q and A type thing, and somebody stands up to ask him a question. That is Danielle Lippi. She's a student here at the university. And she's a Republican. She's got a question for you. Go yes. ahead, Danielle. Okay. But your dog's a Democrat, I can tell. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm a big dog person. I'm sorry. Well, we know that he's got Democrat dogs that he had to get rid of, yeah. one of whom died, and the other one bit, bit I mean, people. to be fair to Biden, all dogs are Democrats because they're not assholes. Ah, there you go. Dogs. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, so his evidence for... <laughs> He can just tell you kind of you, you it's a good gag, but you want to kind of. So I've changed my question. My question <laughs> is, sir, is how can you tell a dog's a Democrat? And then he could launch into, uh-huh. well, that's easy because all because no dogs are assholes. <laughs> yeah, cats are because dogs are Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even questioning that. I can just tell. Yeah. I've seen enough TikTok videos <laughs> to know that that is exactly right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, it, there's something about the, uh, the 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 kind of individual haughtiness of cats that don't. Yeah, brilliant. Whereas dogs are kind of communal beasts that look out for each other and the people that look after them. Yeah, and. Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. Well, as usual in British politics, they're, they're kind of... I, I think British politicians are a little bit more reserved in just making any audacious statement on the basis that, well, apart from... And I couldn't go back there again. We did it twice. Apart from everyone's had, a, had enough of... Uh, experts. Well, actually, oh, even then, twice. I know. Yeah, <laughs> we've even, gone back to that well many times. <laughs> I know. Even, but even it's the same. It is the same deal. But the, but no, nobody has said. Um, I can just tell. No one says that in as their evidence base for what they're about to say. But you know full well that they're doing it from a select evidence base. You know, they don't say I can just tell unless they're talking about the price of a bottle of champagne or that there's no difference between a party and a work event. Um, and and no one says, I know, even, unless they're saying, I know how the nurses feel or I know how difficult it's been following the rules under COVID. And they don't say that because it sounds hollow, fake and patron. No, they, they do exactly say that. But it's very rare to find anyone so wedded, and I think this is it, they, they, you can't find anyone so wedded to a particular standpoint sufficient to cite themselves as holding the evidence. So the, the kind of the silent evidence that they're not providing, they're just going, well, this is it. And they're not, they're not doing the kind of critical thinking and saying, okay, my evidence base is this and I know that it's very selected and blah, 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 blah. And I think the reason they do that is because they may have to change their reported viewpoint and get deafened in the process of the sound of squealing tyres as they pull another U-turn at high speed. 
And they might be doing that sometime in the very near future, depending on how things go down on social media. What they do do is invoke sure and certain knowledge of the British people's opinion. That's what stands in. They make a, a selected, um, they, a highly selected version of the British people in order to justify and license and give them a mandate to enact appalling legislation on the basis of performing their public duty. And, of course, what they make sure of, and this is where the fallacy comes in, is they only listen to the British public whose opinions align with their particular party policies, which leads us inevitably back to Priti Patel and her July 2021 justification for the anti-refugee proposals currently being taken forward in the Nationality and Borders Bill. Mr Deputy Speaker, the British people have had enough of open borders and uncontrolled immigration. Enough of economic migrants pretending to be genuine refugees. Enough of people trying to gain entry illegally ahead of those who play by the rules. The British people, the British people have had enough of being told that none of these issues matter. They've had enough of being told that it's racist even to think about addressing public concerns and to fix this failed system. The British people, perhaps the Honourable Gentleman would either like to intervene or listen. The British people have repeatedly voted to take back control of our borders, something that the party opposite have repeatedly voted against and complained against. The British people finally have a government that is listening to them because our priorities are the people's priorities. Well, they're not. You know, it's, it's that kind of it's that weasel stuff. So she cites no evidence beyond repeating the British people. So when you say the British people, that conjures up, well, that's everybody then. That's, you know, I could just go ahead and do this because the people's policies are our policies. And I hate that little bit where she tells the guy off over there. He's like, oh, God, I hate her so much. <laughs> and then, and nobody complains against anything. People complain about stuff. But that's yeah. not. I think, I think there is actually in there a little bit of implication that she can tell the difference between a genuine refugee and a fake refugee. Yeah, in a way, which is kind of yeah. There, there's that you know I've never seen a a real re- refugee. All the refugees I see are just economic migrants. Y- yes, exactly. Yes, um, there's, there's <laughs> people in in there is people escaping, or they're being trafficked. Yeah, or all of that stuff. So that yes, quite. So and of course, what happened as a direct result of that position. Only 500 visas have been issued by the UK to refugees fleeing from Ukraine by the 8th of March 2022. In the same week, the UK's neighbour in neighbours in Ireland and France, i.e. parts of the EU, had waived visa requirements and taken in 2,000 and 34,000 refugees, respectively. Of course, Patel's British people is completely out of sync with public opinion as Sky News and Jason Mohammed's phone-in on BBC Wales show in providing the actual evidence of the British people disagreeing with what Patel says the British people want. The government should be doing more. But, but let's get back now to being human beings. Yeah, I think it's shameful, really. It is a shame that the general public now have to get off their bums and do what we can, but that's what we're really good at. What can we do quickly right now? We're nearly into week three of the war. We should be letting them in, and if people are willing to house them, good on them. There is room in North Wales for people to come. We, and that's my wife and myself, we are more than happy to have people from Ukraine 
it's a moral obligation, I think, for us all here to be able to do something. What, why would we refuse these people that are in desperate need? They are the British people. <laughs> you could tell because some of them are from Wales. They have, they're the British people. And they... So Patel can tell what the British people think because she's polled specific people, well, the people that voted leave, basically. Um, that's where they took their mandate from. So when you, and I think this is how you can counter that thing, is just go, well, wait a minute. It, you can tell what the British people think. I can tell what the British people think. And this is what the British people think. You go, well, okay, here are, the, here are some British people not thinking that. Uh, I, I think your evidence is a little bit shaky. Yeah. So, and yeah, and the cancer is to provide evidence that doesn't corroborate their opinion and see where they go from there. Yeah. Quite, and you can you can point out to them that they're being very selective in their viewpoint. And this, I think, is the difference between um, you know Trump's kind of goofy esque innocent ignorance. You know, just is that kind of you know, just he just doesn't. He doesn't know that he doesn't know, whereas Patel and the whole of the British government, this this is where it becomes, when it's a willful ignorance, when it's a willful um, being blind to the other the the other evidence sources outside of your bit. Well, I I can tell what the British people think. Well, well, yeah, but we know you're 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 doing that as a a deliberate act, and so consequently, when the British people let you down hmm. and say things contrary to what you can tell, the what happened the, here in response to this groundswell from the same British people on March fourteenth, different a different department of the UK government, not the Home Office, launched the Homes for Ukraine's idea, and thousands of people. Signed up. The scheme will allow Ukrainians with no family ties to the UK to be sponsored by individuals or organisations who can offer them a home. 45,000 people in the UK have signed up to offer their <coughs> homes to Ukrainian refugees fleeing the war. Yeah, now the government's uh, Homes for Ukraine website uh, was so popular that it crashed shortly after it went live yesterday as people rushed to register. Uh, but I'd like to see every MP who's got those second homes in Wales volunteer it. They're all mouth, but let's see them put their money where their mouth is. One of those planning to sign up is former Health Secretary Matt Hancock. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> yes, of course he is. So this and this to me is is just more evidence of Boris seeing which way the crowd is going and then running to the front and shouting, "Follow me!" <laughs> and yeah, one of the people, of course, signing up is desperate comeback kid Matt Hancock, and you know, rather cruelly, probably accurately. Let's face it, he's got five bedrooms; no one's using them <laughs> since his wife left. So. You know, he's on there, and i that's the point I wish I turned off because I'm just not <laughs> going to give him any more time. And there he is, sitting in the chair with his little Ukraine ribbon on, and you think, oh, just <laughs> leave it. So, yeah, so the other side of this kind of um, deliberate, willful ignorance about what's going on outside of your window of experience of evidence of course when the silent evidence so all the stuff that you're leaving out starts speaking up for itself there's the risk of that evidence being deliberately silenced and 
New polling uh, revealed by the Independent newspaper on Sunday indicated that the majority of British people were back accepting more asylum seekers and that less than a third want a system that deters refugees. And this is troubling for the Home Office, which commissioned the Britain Thinks consultancy to carry out research on, it, on this strategy last year. The researchers received more than 8,500 responses from an online questionnaire, meetings, interviews and focus groups. I took part in that. The Home Office Department has refused to publish the full results of a public consultation on its new plan for immigration whilst pushing to enforce it using the upcoming Nationality and Borders Bill. Sile Reynolds, the head of asylum advocacy at Freedom from Torture, told The Independent that the government had misrepresented public compassion for refugees time and again and is refusing to release the findings of that public consultation on the new plan for immigration because then it would have to admit that the public does not want the heartless anti-refugee proposals being taken forward in the bill. Yeah, that is and the that, problem with asking people what they think is that they tend to tell you what they think. That's the problem, <laughs> yeah. If you go ask their opinion, people will have one. That's <laughs> the problem with people. Yeah, and, and you can't guarantee that they will continue to be the British people voicing the evidence upon which you're acting. Yeah, they, I mean, these people, they just haven't seen enough Yes Minister, have they? That's no. the thing. They need, to, <laughs> no, they need to be asking the question in the right way and then they'll get the answer they want. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's a charlatan who surrounds himself with ne'er-do-wells. You can see the fivefold wishes we'd all go to hell. And the blonde horrors still pretending that he's Churchill. seeds in the wild get the bolts, though you never can tell. He furnished an apartment with donations from a millionaire. And denied he attended all the parties that he went to there. And when he found the boats coming in worked out well. Fallacies in the wild get the bolts, so you never can tell. So there's Chuck Berry there with his fallacy counter-argument you never can tell. In the Fallacy in the Wild we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective and our first example comes from Wellington Paranormal. Uh, have you seen Wellington Paranormal? No, it, I've, well, I'm desperate to ask having seen this. It's fucking brilliant. It <laughs> is a mockumentary New Zealand mockumentary right. from the people who did What We Do in the Shadows. The main two characters in the police mockumentary mm. were in the uh, What We Do in the Shadows film. Oh, okay, yep. And so this is a kind of spin-off in a way. Right. But this is the the very small paranormal department of the Wellington Police Department. <laughs> I mean, we uh, interviewed the leading suspect and came back with nothing suspicious. You sure he wasn't a vampire? He just wasn't remotely suspicious. He so. was he was too normal, if we know. But did he have fangs? It's hard to remember. Um, he might have had little tiny ones, perhaps. Vampire. Uh, did he glamour you? Like give us a glamorous makeover? No, not on my watch. No, no, uh, glamouring is a hypnotic form of sorcery or spell. It's a power that's innate in vampires. They can use it to charm people or even erase your memory. Yeah, I'd remember something like that. And even if he perhaps didn't, um, I certainly would remember that. I want you to get back to that hospital and interview that guy from the blood bank again. I think you may have been glamoured. still think we'd remember it. 
It can even erase your memory. I'm sure I, <laughs> I definitely that. remember something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a fairly clear example, I think. It's uh, the obviously Minogue, which is the name of that cop, is uh, right. is convinced that he would remember. And the evidence that he wouldn't remember is is the bit he's not noticing because he can't remember it. <laughs> Because yeah. he can't remember the thing that was done to him that would make him not be able to remember. So he's yeah. he's excluding that part <laughs> exactly. from his yeah, yeah. sample. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of things he could remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very good show. I I recommend it. Our second example comes from When Harry Met Sally. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. Hey, I don't feel great about this, but I don't hear anyone complaining. Of course not. You're out the door too fast. I think they have an okay time. How do you know? I mean, how do I know I know? Because they... Yes, because they... How do you know that they're really... What are you saying? That they fake orgasm? It's possible. Get out of here. Why? Most women at one time or another have faked it. Well, they haven't faked it with me. How do you know? Because I know. Oh. Right. That's right. I forgot. You're a man. What is that supposed to mean? Nothing. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. You don't think that I can tell a difference? No. Get out of here. <laughs> so, Harry is convinced that he can tell the difference between a real orgasm and a fake orgasm, and Sally is not so sure and is about to convince him otherwise and yeah. um yeah. if yeah. harry yeah. assumes that he's only seen real orgasms because yeah. he can't conceptualize a convincing fake one that would be that would be good enough to fool him so he assumes yeah. all the ones he's seen are real and yeah. as sally points out all men think that and most women have done it so that's probably not true just even anecdotally <laughs> if all men have said yeah all the all the women i've been with they've had proper real uh-huh. orgasms and and, her, and i can totally tell the difference yeah, yeah and her and her <laughs> anecdotal evidence is well i know that all women have faked it at some point or another and you just yeah yeah <laughs> so our third example is actually the closest to the kind of canonical example uh, and this is from the 1949 film noir shockproof a film where a, a couple are on the run and the fact that the woman has dyed her hair uh, a couple of times by now is is kind of a plot point. So when this gets brought up, it's it's kind of it's relevant. Oh, it's not hot water again. I'm just going to wash my hair and my hair's dyed, isn't it? Oh, uh, yes. You see, I th- I, thought, nah, I can I... always tell dyed hair. I noticed the first day you got here. I bet you used to bleach it. Uh-huh. Now it's dyed back to its natural color, huh? Yes. Yeah. So again, she says she can always tell. Yeah. If if someone had very convincingly well dyed hair, she just might assume wouldn't. it's not dyed hair, yes, exactly. and therefore wouldn't have that extra evidence. Yeah, but it's it's also it's kind of you go oh yeah you you have to get over the fact that she goes from it's almost a non sequitur <laughs> you know uh, there's no hot water I was going to wash my hair your hair's dyed isn't it yeah why would you say that why would you say that next <laughs> unless it's you know. An obvious plot point. Being in black and white is 
problematic. <laughs> well, it's not very problematic because she went from blonde to dark brown, so, oh, okay, so it's fairly right. fairly yeah. obvious. That, see, but... <laughs> in, my, in my mind's eye, yeah, yeah. she's dyed it red. Yeah, I mean, so, to be honest, that, yeah. the, the kind of slight non sequitur and the slight clunkiness of this is is the kind of falling down of the film a little bit. This is a this is a Douglas Sirk film, re- relatively right. early Douglas Sirk, written by Sam Fuller. And Fuller wrote a kind of more gritty, dark ending. And this is mm-hmm. this is getting right up close to the ending. And that's why Douglas Sirk signed on to do the film, because he, he liked the, the Fuller script. And then the studio right. went, no, nah, no, nah, we need it to be a bit more upbeat. And it's it's a terrible ending. It's a not not oh, a bad no. film. It's yeah. uh, Cornell Wilde and Patricia White who were married at the time and and are good in it, but yeah. bad bad ending. It's like it all wraps up in a couple of minutes, and it's like oh no, I want to see the original. <laughs> yeah, it's the equivalent of Schubert's unfinished, just ending. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. So before we move on to fake news this week, uh, I just mm-hmm. want to talk about our Oscar pool because yeah. our exclusive patron-only bonus episode that we're doing this week is a breakdown of the Oscars and what we think deserves to win, what we think will win, and all of that kind of stuff. So if you're a patron, you'll get to hear that. If you're not a patron, you can always become a patron, patron.com slash Trump. Yep. But even yep. if you're not a patron and even if you're not going to listen to that, you can still sign up to our Oscars pool at uh, fallaciousTrump.com slash Oscars and you can choose what you think will win. It's just a bit of fun, really. It's just we thought it might be interesting for people to do and I'd like to see what people think should win or will win. Whether our influence holds sway. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you can listen to us and and then make your selections, that's fine. But the more people who sign up, the better. So what we're doing is we're actually going to donate $2 to the Ukraine Humanitarian Crisis Appeal that's being run by Care International for every one person that signs up. So the more that sign up and do it, the more we'll donate. Yeah, if you win, then then we'll announce your name on the show and you'll get bragging rights. Uh, but yeah. if you don't win, at least you'll have helped us to uh, raise a bit of money for Ukraine. If you would like to donate some money to Ukraine through Care International, I've made it a little bit easier for you. You can go to fallaciousTrump.com slash donate and that will take you to your local Care International uh, kind of hub where you can donate directly there. Um, but obviously there's other options for for donating but that's uh just a, an, a quick and easy one for you but if you want to do it and have fun then fallaciousjump.com slash oscars so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody yes it's time for fake news the game where i read out three trump quotes two of which are real and one i made up and mark has to figure out which one is fake news don't be fooled listeners because i can i can tell that i'm i'm gonna win you know, and how do I know? Well, I just know. I know I'm going to win about 60% of the time. <laughs> and how do I know that? Because I've won about 60% about of the 49% time. 49% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, you know, but if you only look at, if you only think about the amount of times I've won, then I've won a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. This is true. You know, long may it rain. That's you know, that's just that's that's it. I can just tell. I can tell this week is going to be a good week because it's been <laughs> atrocious for the past couple. I've been outsmarted by listeners. Yeah, you're even. Um, <laughs> you're on a, a route back, hopefully to fifty percent. Yeah, if I'm you get this one, you're, you're on fifty percent. I've been taking a rest <laughs> from from dumb luck. 
Yeah. So these these quotes are from Trump's rally in Florence, South Carolina last week. Yeah. And um, it was quite cold. So when it's cold, Trump doesn't like to be out there talking too long. So it was a reasonably short speech for him. And he pretty much rattled through the stuff that was on the teleprompter. But obviously, he can't stop himself from just getting distracted like the dog from up. And we'll go off on tangents. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, this is this is some of the stuff that he said, and some of it's quite weird. So statement number one: Yeah, the disastrous Green New Deal from AOC. I call them AOC plus three. We all need to worry because the ocean is going to rise one hundredth of an inch in the next thousand years. This insane woke agenda is killing our country, and we have to fight to the death if necessary to make sure it never. Nothing is more important. So we have to. Oh, look, it's my bikers. Bikers for Trump. We love our bikers. What a great group of patriots. They rev their Harleys. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> what? What? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Not. Not. A, he's not sensitive to optics, is he? Talking about. You know, uh, uh, we like that these guys revving their petrochemical-based machines <laughs> whilst talking about climate change. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Statement number two. So sometimes I'll be making a speech and I'll go home and I'll check it out on television because I'll say, like, I wonder how it looks. And Some there'll be somebody... Time. Yeah, right. Every bloody time. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll be somebody in the audience behind us that's so stunning, that's so handsome or beautiful, handsome or beautiful, that you cannot take your mind or your eyes off that person. And, you know, sometimes Hollywood calls those people. So we've made a lot of really great stars sitting there. What the hell? Wow. He's now... What? He's now claiming that he's providing <laughs> casts for Hollywood. The guy is so conceited, isn't he? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And and also quite perverse as well. And you think, well, yeah, you don't think your handlers have stuffed all the good-looking people behind <laughs> you. You know, mm-hmm, not too good-looking because it will make you look even more ugly than you are. Wow. And statement okay. number three. All right. Um, mm-hmm. This is his reaction to uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He says, it's a lack of respect for a lot of people, a lot of things, but it's just a total lack of respect. And it happens to be a man that is just driven. He's driven to put it together and you look at it and it's just so ridiculous and so senseless and so horrible. And I say it again and I'll say it again and again. It should have never happened. If he respected our president, it would have never, ever happened. But no one ever mentions the bloody and horrific war raging just across our border. Uh, Okay. Is that because there isn't one? Is that why they Could don't be. mention it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It should. If he respected out, it would have never happened. But instantly, no one mentions the like, Okay, uh, okay, uh, right. <clears throat> well, it's different. <laughs> they're all just so insane that, that somebody must have written them. Okay. <clears throat> oh my god. Right then, well, I you see, I think the 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 hundredth of an inch in the next thousand years is usual Trump hyperbole, but the the squirrel bit for the bikers. 
I'm going, I really want number two to be real. <laughs> real. Uh, okay. I, all right. Mm, no, but the bikers one's going to be real, isn't it? Bloody. Uh, mm, okay. All right. I'm going, could be going out on a limb. I'm going to be, could be controversial. I'm going to say that number three is the one that you made up. Okay, and yep. of the other two, which are you more convinced by? The go home and check it out on television. It's going to be fake. It? <laughs> it's going to be fake. Okay, okay and yeah. number two yeah. is yeah. real. No. So sometimes I'll be making a speech, and I'll go home, and I'll check it out on television, because I'll say, like, I wonder how it looks. And there'll be somebody in the audience behind us that's so stunning that's so handsome or beautiful, handsome or beautiful, that you cannot take your mind or your eyes off that person. And you know that sometimes Hollywood calls those people. So we've made a lot of uh, really great stars sitting there. Okay, so how... Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I, uh, I have not been able to find an example no. of uh, a... A, not just a really great star, but anyone yeah. who has even Big slightly got any recognition mm. by sitting at the back of Trump in yeah. a rally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you kind of think, okay, Trump. So you're you're on TV. You're looking at yourself on TV, and you're distracted by somebody behind you. I I so don't believe he's the... ever been no. distracted by. He's looking no. at himself. <laughs> He exactly. doesn't know there's anyone else there. Yeah. yeah. Well, quite. That's my, hence my point. Yes, yes, yes. So that, yeah. I, um, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We've made, we, and he starts talking about himself. And you think at the rallies, how many people are on the podium? <laughs> Sufficient for him to talk, talk about them in the plural. That's, yeah. No, he's yeah. To use the royal we. Oh no! So you also think yeah. number one is real? Yeah. And number one? Yeah. Is? Yeah. Fake news. Oh man! I should have gone with my gut instinct. <laughs> the whole—it's a big all look bikers. <laughs> oh no! And the inches? Oh what? The hundredth of an inch in a thousand years. You see, that's a, the hyperbole of Trump. That's big enough. Yeah, to be he a he Trump did hyperbole. actually. The 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 shocking thing is, there's yeah. there are bits of this that oh. are not very far away from the wow. stuff he said. Yeah, yeah. He said one hundredth of an inch in three thousand years, uh, three hundred years rather, not not right. thousand years. He did, he did seem to get distracted <laughs> by someone in his vision, mm-hmm. and then start talking about bikers for Trump at one point. But it was kind of it wasn't quite and it, and he did make the noise of them revving no. their harness. Yeah, he did do that. But but it wasn't quite as egregious. It wasn't as, as neat as, as that. Some, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so, what? so uh, yeah, it was a bit of a kind of patch and and add some stuff. See, to, that's to what that. I thought you'd done so, with the. He's driven. Yeah. He's a he's a driven man. He's driven it to put together. I thought okay, but he's yeah, no, that some that bits. is a, a real thing. That was how no. he described. I mean, I think he was just desperately trying not to say anything that was too anti-Putin. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So just in yeah. case, yeah, yeah. It's a lack of respect 
for a lot of people, a lot of things, but it's just a total lack of respect. And it happens to be a man that is just driven. He's driven to put it together. And you look at it, and it's just so ridiculous and so senseless and so horrible. And I say it again, and I'll say it again and again. It should have never happened. If he respected our president, it would have never, ever happened. But no one ever mentions the bloody and horrific war raging just across our border. Yeah, again, I mean, leaving aside for the moment the non-existent bloody and horrific war. Yeah, um, yeah. Characterizing attacking a sovereign nation as a lack of respect for it, a lot of like, things it, personifying yeah. ukraine as rodney dangerfield it's just yeah. <laughs> not yeah yeah <laughs> that's the the kindest you can possibly be and to putin he, frankly because he, he's a driven man he's driven to put it together yeah, he's driven, he's tr- and driven. you look at it and what he's doing is ridiculous and senseless and horrible and if if he'd have respected our president well he didn't respect you when you were president donny so why would it what what's it got to do with yeah. he's not going to be in fear of the US is is fundamentally what he's saying he's taking a side swipe at Biden for not being fierce enough and he you know if he'd have respected it if we'd have commanded some respect from Putin but yeah yeah and not like Trump commanded any respect because he was you know all over him. Yeah, there's this whole thing from the right and from Trump specifically saying, you know, or oh, Putin didn't do it when I was president. Putin mm. would, you know, wouldn't have dared. Whereas it, all it is is Putin saw that Trump was doing his best to destroy NATO by himself. Exactly. Yeah. And if a, if he had got a second term, maybe he would have pulled out of NATO. So yeah, yeah he was just biding his time, just yeah. waiting for that, and no need to attack and and the as for the bloody and horrific war raging yeah, just across yeah, the border yeah. Where, n- unclear <laughs> yeah 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 which but canada are they that mean up there really <laughs> yeah uh yeah unfortunately uh that means that you have not oh. yet made it back to 50 percent. you are now on uh 42 out yeah. of 86 so you're getting further and further away you're gonna have to start listening to a gut again yeah mind <laughs> i seem to recall that that did be down last time yeah <laughs> yes it's not fair <laughs> hi this is dave and this is brandon and we are fdr's wheelchair a political podcast that aims to inform educate and joke each week we discuss the most current political events and hot topics from a progressive and humorous point of view whether you're politically astute curious or if you're looking up the meaning of the word astute, we're the political podcast for you. Listen to FDR's Wheelchair Weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Needing a New Butt is Not a Logical Fallacy. This is a, it's just, <laughs> because... Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, handmaid's Tale. This is what happens yeah. Yeah. when... Republicans keep trying to get books banned and talking about how it's unacceptable to talk in school about particular things and, and, you know, you've got to just regulate everything. I mean, part of, not even the bottom of the slippery slope, but part of the slope as it's sliding is, is what happened to a teacher in Mississippi who 
basically stepped in when uh, a, a school administrator was supposed to be reading a book on Zoom right. to a bunch of uh, six and seven year old pupils in Hines County, Mississippi. Um, the administrator couldn't do it at the last minute, so the assistant principal of an elementary school, Toby Price, stepped in and said, "You know, I've got a book I can read to them," and he read a book called "I Need a New Butt." Yeah, which is about a, a boy who notices that his butt has a crack yeah. in it and therefore he needs a new yeah. one. And this guy got fired for reading this book. And the 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 letter that he was sent by the the kind of the school board, the school district, is amazing <laughs> because it describes what's in yeah. the book <laughs> as if as if it should be Offering evidence to why this is worthy of someone being yeah. fired. Given that this is a book for six-year-olds, isn't it? Four to six yeah. or something like that. More more proof that Republicans don't do humour. Or, yeah. or get and kids, kids love, kids love yeah. stuff about butts and yeah. farts yeah. and stuff. So the, the letter includes the paragraph, On Tuesday, March 2nd, 2022, you read a book entitled... I need a new butt to a group of students via Zoom. The story details a boy's journey to find a new butt after noticing his butt had a huge crack. During the reading of this book, you read inappropriate words like fart as the story detailed how the boy had developed the huge crack when a fart had, quote, blew his butt apart and split it clean in two. <laughs> you, <laughs> you also shared inappropriate pictures that depicted the boy's naked butt. The book described butts in various colours, shapes, sizes and types. Example, fireproof, <laughs> bulletproof, <laughs> bombproof. This sounds like a fucking brilliant it book. It is. I've, just, I've, I've, I've heard it read out, yeah. All of the kids thought this was brilliant. People apparently came up to him and, and you know contacted him and said it was yeah. great. They really enjoyed it. There were no... Complaints from parents about so this stuff. This get, is this the school board. School board um, tuned in or what? Yeah, there's a school superintendent worried, panicking yeah. that they're going to get complaints. They're worried about parents complaining, and and presumably because they've seen around the country idiots <laughs> yeah. panicking about things in books that kids might learn from. Yeah, or you know, see that is is in their view inappropriate, and and you know schools are in the media and being and this is such a kind of now Streisand effect because because no one had heard of this school or this superintendent yeah. or to large extent this book yeah. which is now like trending yeah. on Amazon, <laughs> um, and and they have they've definitely raised a significant amount of attention, um, and yeah this is. This is, I mean, it's not even, it's not the end result. There are much, 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 much worse end results. But this is, this is what happens when you panic too much yeah. about things your kids yeah. are reading. Well, it, well, even in the, it is a kind of logical fallacy because they, they are going from the point of view that all books are dangerous or all, sc yeah. all schools yeah, yeah. will get into yeah, there's trouble an assumption. for reading in a, for, reading inappropriate material and you think well yeah who's well they won't 
and who's defines inappropriate. And it's a it's a really good book. It's kind of done in a Doctor <laughs> Zeus kind of rhyming way, and and then and the inappropriate pictures of a, a boy's naked butt. Well, they're drawings of you know him deciding well he'll get a multicolored butt or a robot butt, and it's just it's it's hilarious. It's it reminds me of the there was a book called Whose Poo Is This. So it's like this mole uh-huh. comes out of the ground and he's got a poo yeah. in his head and he just goes around finding out what all anim- what animals' poos look like. And kids love it. They love all that stuff. Absolutely. And they're, they're kind of, they giggle at the audacity of it, you know, that, that there's in print is stuff that they talk about. Is it stuff that they're, and it's a, it's, how can it be? Yeah, they're just going from the basis that oh my god, we're going to get into trouble because this kind of stuff gets into trouble. And well, where is the trouble? Is not from any of the parents. It's just peer pressure from. I don't know where's it coming from. It's. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's not clear, really. Some people have suggested that. Um... Maybe there was already some kind of animosity between the school superintendent and this teacher, and they were just kind of looking for an excuse to fire right. him. And I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if uh, Mississippi is an as, is an at will state. Uh, it may be that they can just fire teachers if they fancy yeah. firing them. Um, but I mean, that's certainly true in in a lot of places. But I don't know. It's it sounds weird. It is weird, yeah, um, and it's it's unclear what the thinking was, but uh, yeah, absolutely. This is, I mean, he this guy who's been a teacher for twenty mm. years, and he's been fired for reading a kids' book to some kids yeah. by people who don't who, know who loved it, who haven't been teachers for twenty years. You kind of, you know, that, yeah. as a as a teacher of twenty years, knowing which age group you're going to talk to, knowing all of the material that that is available. You would know if you're experienced, an experienced teacher working in primary education, you would know what will appeal to kids. So, and people yeah. are writing stuff for kids. You know, it's Absolutely. a kids, but it's a published kids book. Well, mind you, you I know, mean, kind of, what kind of idiot yeah. <laughs> doesn't realize that kids love slightly rude yeah. books? Like books that are, that, that have, not not at all rude words, but words that kids think yeah. are rude. Yeah, and also that, <laughs> and also it's about that kind of why have I got a crack in my butt kind of yeah. question. It's those un- unanswered questions, those uh-huh. unasked questions. That yeah, is well, it, it's that whole thing of of adults who seem to in you know the these particular states that we talk about who, when they become adults, seem to go back to the 1930s, 40s, 50s. <laughs> they were, and they're adults, you know, because they're in the States that they are, they're adults in their 20s. <laughs> they're parents in their 20s or their 30s. And they, so that means they were adults in the 90s, uh, kids in the 90s. So they would have mm-hmm. lived in the 90s, but, of course, living in those states in the 90s, their parents would have also travelled back to the 50s, the 1850s. So there's this kind of what 
what do they think is being taught to their kids after 30 years that they weren't taught? So there's this, this is kind of weird transition back to suppressing everything. You know, it's kind of, it's, 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 well, it's the same thing happened in the UK with Margaret Thatcher's back to um, family values, which was, you know, she was appalled at various um, theatre productions and books even that questioned the status quo even of her government and had them banned and closed down shows in theatres because she wanted to extol um, decent family values, go back to those kind mm. of things in order to appeal to, let's face it, an older voter base who believe that anything more modern than 1853 is a threat to decency and humanity. And we're in the 21st century and you're <laughs> firing somebody for reading a book for four, four to eight-year-olds about a kid who's worried about the crack in his butt. Yeah. It, it is this book, by the way, only one in a series of books about oh, okay. butts. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there yeah. are others. And in the UK, I think it is published as... Um, I need a new yep. bum, which which makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's just insane. When I I can't remember if I told this story on the show or not, but I when my kids were in um, primary school, elementary school, um, they uh, at one point did a thing about um, the tiger who came to tea. All right, yeah. And uh, the um, teacher, I think. My, I think it was my daughter was about five or six at the time. The teacher sent home a thing in their uh, school bags um, with with the tiger who came to tea, kind of like the the um, artwork on right. the front to to say what they were doing. Yeah. But she had not been very careful in her Google search. Right. <laughs> and. If you search for Google images of the tiger who came to tea, in in amongst them are ones where people have have kind of reimagined the story in what would literally happen if a tiger came to tea. Yeah, yeah. And and Sophie ended up very bloody and um, you know, in bits. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and unfortunately that was the image that the teacher had, had kind of just absent mindedly printed out and put on the yeah, yeah. thing. Fantastic. Now, that we thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. also obviously a mistake. And yeah. and I don't, as far as I know, think that any any other of the parents of our kids' class kind of caused a an upset at the school about how awful this was. Yeah. It would, it's not ideal, and if I'd, if my daughter had seen it, maybe she might have been a bit upset about it because she did love that book. But yeah. Um, yeah. it's uh, it, but these, well, I you think know, that's the there's a there's a that's the difference, the cultural difference between uh, the UK and other parts of the world. Definitely the you know the English speaking. We we feel this well. That's because all the US is descended from the UK. <laughs> you know, you know that it's that kind of. We we feel that we are closer to the US than we are closer to any anywhere else, and yet completely divided yeah. culturally 
you know, separated by the same language, because we, yeah, the UK, we would just laugh that off. You just go, well, yeah, that's hilarious. That's really, but then we've, we invented Monty Python. (laughs) That's kind of where that Uh comes from. That kind of gallows humor. We get that. It's, it's, and that's, national you know there there were well, it's a generational thing there was a generation that were brought up on the goons and their parents generation didn't understand it at all but they mm-hmm. were brought up on itmar and their parents didn't understand that so it kind of it goes on and you know, it gets and then you know generationally the the anarchic humor changes but it's fundamentally the same it's poking fun at authority it's laughing in the face of adversity and it's seeking out the ridiculous in situations, whether it's Schadenfreude or not. But it's it's that kind of we it's revel finding, in the ridiculousness. It, yeah, it's of finding it. whatever level you're at. It's finding yeah. that edge where it's yeah. where it's starting to become a bit dangerous, isn't it? That's the yeah. that's where a lot of comedy comes from, and a lot of yeah, um, you but, know, but stuff it's fun, that, but it's, that but it's is funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the, absolutely. It's a guy I I follow occasionally on YouTube. He's a Canadian comedian. Uh, can't remember. With ginger hair with glasses, and he posts stuff up from his stand up things where he gets heckled steve hofstetter there you go well done yeah and um and he just he bluntly says to the to hecklers who take offense of what he's saying he said this is comedy you came out to a comedy night you didn't know why we you were coming you bought tickets and everything and then they can't and then they say oh yeah but what about mexico or what about (laughs) blah 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 and he said well that's nothing to do with this gag that's not how humor works (laughs) And it's just he's he's excellent at dealing with heckles in that regard. But he does point that out, and they said, "This is just funny." And and then he goes, "You're a Republican, aren't you?" And, he, <laughs> and they go, "Yes." Yeah. Well, I could just tell. And he goes, <laughs> like, "Yeah, you know, uh-huh. fair enough." But and it's something to do with that, which and I think that's why the Karen phenomena is a peculiarly American thing it doesn't occur in the uk people don't take umbrage well they kind of do about parking spaces and <laughs> things like that but they don't take they yeah, don't not take about offense. culture not about it's, no. it's uh, there's it really kind of um puts into relief the whole snowflake thing mm. because it's it's again this just this divide between the right and the left and the, a lack of understanding and there's this belief apparently uh, on the right that that people on the left are just offended by everything are just yeah. kind of you know looking for something to be offended by they'll find offence wherever it might be found whereas the things that upset the left or the or the left think should be changed or should be taken seriously are things that hurt people mm. <laughs> things yeah. things that cause a lack of representation or cause teasing or cause bullying or cause people yeah. individuals to be downtrodden in some way or oppressed yeah. in some way or and, not taken they seriously are, they're or, against the they're against the the societal constructs that allow that that yeah. legitimize that yeah which is but why just, but something that in of what in and of itself is a little bit offensive in general because it's mm. a bit rude or it's a bit 
you know, um, divisive in itself or whatever, that's fine. The the yeah. left generally doesn't have a problem with that stuff. No, it's but the, the right, right has a real problem yeah, with it. They, they just have a, have a complete yeah. freak out about it. They've just fired a man for reading <laughs> a book for four to six year olds about somebody wondering why he's got a crack in his butt. Perhaps he broke it. Mm. That's what the actual fuck. <laughs> you know, that's the that's and that, and yet the right say, Oh well yeah, the left complain about stuff. You yeah. know, it's and it's the kind of well, actually, the, the similarity in the UK is from, uh, you know, people who say, oh, well, you can't say that anymore. You, know, you used to be <laughs> yeah. able to be, used to be able to be horribly racist, you know, homophobic and misogynist. You used to be able to do that and offend the fuck out of people and really make them feel downtrodden and second class and you could really, you know, lord it over them. We can't do that anymore. Yeah. Oh, terrible. They get all offended. Uh, they get all offended. <laughs> you can't go doing that. You know, you used to be able to have people on the television making jokes about the colour of other people's skin. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, or, the, or their Bloody gender. political correctness gone mad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. And you think, and there's a direct correlation between... <laughs> Where they are on the political spectrum and that viewpoint, mm-hmm. that was I was disturbed to to find that I I was sending various pieces of, of um, kind of artwork advertising my band's latest gigs to some uh, uh, sites that that would share the demographics, so they would get the references to old fashioned games and toys, or you know bicycles or that kind of stuff, which we write songs about and sing about as though we're still 12 and, you know and it's that all that kind of artwork and i thought oh yeah i'll find some sites um some pages on facebook and share those and you kind of put them on there and then of course as soon as you join a group you get their stuff in your feed and it's full of all that kind of stuff you go oh yeah Remember when we used to be able to, to laugh at other people's misfortune? <laughs> you know, remember when we used to treat people as second-class citizens, you know, in the name of comedy? Well, you can't do that anymore. And you go, oh, my God. <laughs> That's, and, and I think what the, the shock is that, you know, they're the similar age group to us in the band and me, and I'm thinking, but I didn't turn out like that. What happened to these? And it must just come down to well where are you on the on the political spectrum yeah <laughs> and finally some things we really don't have time to talk about republican misogynists sorry i'm repeating myself republicans all over america are so excited by the success thus far of texas's anti-abortion law that they want one just like it in their state you'll be shocked to hear that some of them are so giddy at the thought of controlling women's bodies they haven't put much thought into how why or pretty much anything else take for example missouri state representative brian seitz who introduced a bill last week attempting to make it a class a felony punishable by between 10 and 30 years in prison to perform an abortion to treat an ectopic pregnancy For those who don't know, like, say, Republican lawmakers, an ectopic pregnancy is when a fertilised egg implants outside of the uterus. They can never result in the birth of a child, but they're super good at killing the mother. Ectopic pregnancies account for almost 2% of all pregnancies in North America and are the number one cause of death for pregnant mothers in the first trimester. 
When questioned about this, Sites ignorantly claimed that doctors can't tell if a pregnancy is ectopic, saying they don't have the hospital machinery to tell if this is an ectopic pregnancy. They might just think it's a normal pregnancy and want to abort the child. I would like to see that sort of unlawful activity stopped. It's almost like people who know nothing whatsoever about basic healthcare or female anatomy and can't be bothered to look it up should stay the fuck out of trying to legislate it. Yes, yeah, trying to do away with ectopic pregnancies, somebody somewhere must know what one is in order to be able to legislate against it. I mean, Google exists. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tucker Carlson's status as beyond Voldemort, insofar as it's actually illegal to take anything he says seriously, gets another nail in his credibility coffin this week. Though being a narcissistic fucking jerk, he won't look at it that way. When the Kremlin said his bulletins were important in the misinformation war, they are blanket bombing their own people with. A leaked memo from the actual Kremlin to state media outlets, you know, the kind of outlets that Carlson thinks are lamestream sycophants in the US, says it is essential to use as much as possible fragments of broadcasts of the popular Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who sharply criticises the actions of the United States and NATO, their negative role in unleashing the conflict in Ukraine, and the defiantly provocative behaviour from the leadership of the Western countries and NATO towards the Russian Federation and towards President Putin personally advises the 12-page document written in Russian. It sums up Carlson's position. Russia is only protecting its interests and security. The memo includes a quote from Carlson. And how would the US behave if such a situation developed in neighbouring Mexico or Canada? In the Moebius strip that is Carlson's twisted moral compass, what point does he start ranting at himself for being the tool of Putin? Once he gets past gazing out of his arse at his own reflection, I guess. One of my favourite kinds of porn over the past year has been watching insurrectionists get arrested because they filmed themselves insurrecting. <laughs> Little did I realise that these fuckwits were mere amateurs in the art of self-incrimination. Even that bloke who filmed himself touching the Capitol while saying, this is me touching the fucking White House, can't hold a candle to the epic, high-definition, Oscar-worthy self-incrimination of Roger Stone, proud boy Enrique Tarrio, and oathkeeper Stuart, shot myself in the face because I'm a shitty firearms instructor, Rhodes. These three masters of the craft allowed a documentary film crew to follow them round while they coordinated the attempted overthrow of a democratically decided election. The film, A Storm Foretold, will be released later this year, but more than 20 hours of footage has already been provided by the documentary crew to the January 6th committee and to the Washington Post. Someone should really tell Roger Stone that the pardon he got from Trump was only good for crimes he'd committed up to that point. Yeah, here's my get-out-of-jail-free card. You know that came from a Monopoly set, don't you? <laughs> no, no, the president gave me it. Yeah. <laughs> In one of those Zoom call think tank brainstorming sessions you imagine all critical thinking Republicans must be holding regularly to discuss tactics, strategist Amber Harris was urging the GOP in Michigan to give up trying to overturn the 2020 election during a Facebook live stream on Sunday. Robert Regan poised to win a Michigan House seat, argued against Amber Harris by ostensibly attempting an analogy. Regan said... I tell my daughters, well, if rape is inevitable, you should just lie back and enjoy it. Nice. Two years prior, in June 2020, his daughter Stephanie's tweet went viral. 
if you're in Michigan and 18 plus, for the love of God, do not vote for my dad for state representative. Tell everyone. Regan attempted to clarify his statement to the Grand Rapids Press on Monday, saying he was just trying to say you should never stop fighting, even when the outcome seems inevitable, and he wasn't trying to make a rape joke. Most people that feel like the election was stolen from them, well, that's similar to what they feel like. Regan blamed his daughter's stance on her socialist college education, but in her own follow-up tweet, Stephanie says that the real indoctrination had been at home. This is what I was raised with, she wrote. Took years to educate myself and feel proud to have different beliefs. It's still hard. Ask yourself if your beliefs are truly yours or if they were implemented by an authoritative figure. Regan doesn't make these misogynist comments despite being a father of daughters. He deliberately treats his daughters as tools to prop his comments up, which, of course is the essence of misogyny itself. He's very much not saying you should never stop fighting. He's literally saying stop fighting. That, just stop fighting. <laughs> just, just, and, and enjoy it. Yeah. That, yeah. It's yeah. exactly the opposite, the opposite of what he claims he meant by that. Yep. 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 Fucking hell. You know, as a father of daughters, as a, you know, as a breastfeeding mother of three, it's kind of, as a father of daughters, here is my sage advice. Go, oh, boy. The actual... Yep. In possibly the least surprising turn of events since Tom Cruise divorced Katie Holmes, Trump did a crime. But more surprisingly, this time it might actually matter. Mere hours after we recorded our last episode, the January 6th committee made a federal court filing which indicated that they have good reason to believe Trump is guilty of engaging, quote, in a criminal conspiracy to defraud the United States. The filing was a response to Trump legal adviser John Eastman's attempt to assert attorney-client privilege over 90,000 documents that the committee would really like to look at. They give seven reasons that privilege doesn't apply, which include such airtight legal arguments as an unsigned letter of engagement doesn't prove you're Trump's lawyer, you sent all these emails from a college email server whose policy specifically says you have no expectation of privacy, your supposed client, Mr Trump, has repeatedly waived privilege by talking to everyone, including Bob Woodward, about this stuff, and, most important of all, you can't claim privilege while you're helping your client commit fraud. If you need convincing that this is different to the six or seven hundred other crimes Trump committed, and let's face it, who could blame you, I strongly advise you to listen to episode 574 of the Opening Arguments podcast. And if you do, even you might believe that one day we'll see the Donald in a jumpsuit that matches his face. <laughs> is it any wonder the Kremlin sent that memo about Tucker Carlson <laughs> in on a in an on-air display of utter smug fuckwittery, he lambasted Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs Victoria Newland for noting during Tuesday's Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing that Russian propaganda groups are spreading information about how they have uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to unleash biological weapons in the country and thereby Carlson completed the circle of disinformation. Unpaid Russian propagandist and QAnon legitimizer and rhymes with fucker drew conclusions for no one's benefit. So what you're saying, Victoria Newland, if, for example, you were funding secret biolabs in Ukraine but wanted to hide that fact from the people who were paying for it in whose name you were doing it, then you might lie about it by claiming the Russians were lying about it. In other words, you might mount a disinformation campaign by claiming the other guy was mounting a disinformation campaign. Is that what you're saying, Victoria Newland? 
sensible centrist Steve Bannon got a bit fired up asking the CIA and Defence Department, what are they creating? Are they involved in any way? Have we financed it? Are we partners? Do we actually know what's going on? No, Steve, you don't. And equally level-headed, calm thinker Mike Flynn wrote over Telegram, I was told that biolabs in Ukraine was a conspiracy theory, yet here we are. They are now admitting it openly. No, no, they're not. It's just Tucker the fucker. Listen, Comrade Carson, come the revolution, A, it won't be televised so no one will be able to see you, and B, Putin's not going to roll a red carpet out for you to thank you for all the work you've done for him. We in England still have a traitor's gate through which the likes of you were taken to the tower of old. No TV reception in there either. Dishonest Republicans, sorry, I'm repeating myself again, Republicans have been trying to convince us all that election tampering is a real issue for a while now, and the length some of them will go to is kind of impressive, like in the case of Mesa, Colorado County Clerk Tina Peters, tampering with elections herself. So committed was Peters that in the process of proving just how easy it is to subvert an election, she committed seven felonies and three misdemeanours, according to the grand jury who indicted her this month. Essentially, Peters and her deputy, who's also charged with various crimes, arranged for security cameras to be turned off during the software update of the Dominion voting machines, stole the identity of an IT contractor, made a copy of the voting machine's hard drive, and published images that included confidential passwords for the county's election equipment on right-wing websites. Weirdly, she still hasn't dropped out of the race she's currently in to become Secretary of State. You know, the person who's in charge of running elections in Colorado. Sure, it's bad, but imagine how much worse it would be if these people were actually any good at criming. In British politics this week, equipped with the new post-Brexit ability to do adult things they thought they couldn't do when part of the EU, the UK government simply reverted to childishly saying no, 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 no to Europe because we did things faster and bigger than you. Dime store, pantomime, Uriah Heap, Jacob Rees-Mogg proudly showed off a chart illustrating just how many more oligarch assets they had frozen than the combined EU and all the US, only to have it pointed out by, well, I don't know, everyone, that that simply showed that this UK government had been laundering billions more dirty Russian money than anyone else. Michael Gove's slimy tove, gyred, gimbaled and postured in Parliament demanding that oligarchs' empty London mansion should be seized and used to house Ukrainian refugees. Professional squatters took him at his word and got into Oleg Deripaska's 200-bedroom city block of a building in London's Belgravia and erected a banner over the balcony quoting Gove. Police, of course, arrived in minutes and arrests were made because Gove obviously didn't mean straight away. You've got to give them some chance to sell up and move their assets out of the country. Be fair. Meanwhile, out of the country, Boris visited Saudi Arabia to find an alternative to Russian fuel and whilst at the same time declaring Putin guilty of crimes against humanity, ignored the small matter of 81 beheadings happening in Saudi Arabia mere days before he arrived. Lesser of two evils... Better the devil you know? Or who's got money that we can suck up now to fund the party? Whatever happened to COP26's net zero renewables? Well, we didn't mean straight away, obviously. Well, yes, 
Thank you, Gove. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our straw man level patrons, Steve Pickle, Schmutz, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman level patrons, Kaz Tui, Andrew Halk, Max Beaver, and our top patron, Lauren. Thanks very much, everyone, for your continued support. It really is appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>